I did too. I also checked earlier. That's Alex's phone, everybody. Silent. Okay, here we go. Silent. Silent. It's on silent. All our phones are on silent. Any notifications you hear, listeners, those are your notifications. So, <laughs> check your emails. All right, anyway. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Nothing to Fear, a very special bonus episode. For those of you who listen upon day of release, you will notice that this is a Friday release because it is, in fact, Friday the 13th. And I guess I should introduce the podcast before I get into the date <laughs> specifics. If this is somebody's first episode, they're like, what is this? This is the show called Nothing to Fear. I am your host, Billy Schultz, and this is a podcast all about the horror movies that you know and love or don't know and don't love or love but don't know or don't know but might love. I think that's all the all the basics. Uh, what we do is we watch a horror movie every week and we discuss it and we make a lot of dumb jokes and i'm joined by my two co-hosts as always and as ever alex juan hello how are you hey 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 i'm good i'm <laughs> doing all the unsuperstitious things today so i'm gonna walk under ladders and step on cracks mm-hmm. mm. i meant the suspic- black cat super the stitious things i'm gonna i'm gonna do all the stitious things yeah yeah earlier <laughs> today you messaged me saying you were walking under a ladder while breaking a mirror and having a black cat cross your path mm-hmm. and stepping mm-hmm. on a sidewalk grass yeah right. and i uh you know Just all of them simultaneously <laughs> i was in a bathroom and i said bloody mary three times right oh you did did you take the lord's name in vain too while we're just crossing off all Never. the different that's that's way out of line <laughs> okay <laughs> that's for the I think that's. i think that's just a sin <laughs> <laughs> what isn't a sin uh, the, a sin that I just committed is not introducing my other co-host, Luke Mason. Mm. How are yes. you doing today, Luke? Say hello. Hello. <laughs> Good. He's yes. very well-trained, listeners. <laughs> How are you? Yeah. Well, I just watched Black Widow, so there's some mind control mm. going on. Mm. <laughs> ah, spoilers maybe for Black Widow. Not really. <laughs> that can't be a spoiler for that storyline. <laughs> can't be a spoiler for that. No. I also saw Black Widow. It was very good. But the Russians use mind control. Who would have thought? <laughs> what? What? <gasps> I also right. saw it too. Well, yeah. So that's something sweet. we have in common. We've hey. all seen. It. We all. We're all. We've all seen Black Widow, and we all are hosts on this podcast. You know what? They have to make a Black Mirror episode called Black Window, and have it be about someone who looks like <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. But like I don't know, they could. I, this is just the start. But Black Window is definitely an episode there somewhere. Luke's, <laughs> listen, Charlie. I want to say is the name of the guy who writes Black Mirror. I know you're a listener. Maybe I don't mm. know your name. We got an <laughs> idea for you, Black Window, season yeah. seven it's or just... eight of Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> what's the What's the pitch there? So it's just some some lady who looks kind of like Scarlett Johansson and. People on the street well, are like, are you Black Widow? And she's like, no, that's just someone. No, like I'm Black Window. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the era is just ripe for very, very, very meta level entertainment. So an awareness of a Marvel movie in a TV show about mm. uncanniness. I, I don't know. I think that there's building blocks there to go from. You know what? Like, actually, it could probably be an episode about deep fakes because they've gone so mm. realistic and creepy oh, nowadays. Like, I don't know right. if either of you have seen that Tom Cruise one, but it is I've like... I've seen a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, it's freaky. 
and you know it fits in with the theme of black mirror with like you know technology and you know the evils you can do with it so yeah i can't wait till someone deep fakes me into something (laughs) but alex no one's ever going to be able to find you to deep fake you no i'm i'm better hidden than the uh russian sleeper agents Here's what's going to happen. When Alex, when we get a video of Alex starting to tell us about his social media handles and where he could be found, we'll yep. know it's a deep fake. Oh, yes, that's how we'll know. <laughs> yeah. He'll say ne- his yeah. social media profiles. Yeah. <laughs> Never going to happen. <laughs> Unless. Anyway, let me steer back onto the topic that we're here to discuss, which is horror movies. This is kind of a special mm. episode because, as I alluded to earlier, if you're listening, on the very day it was released, this is in fact Friday the 13th, and that means we're going to dive into our so far worst reviewed movie franchise on the whole with, uh, <laughs> I think, a grand total of 0.8 out of 15, you know, single nail holding up <laughs> eavesdrops. It was it was a bad one, but we are going to revisit the sequel or not revisit. We're going to visit the sequel to Friday the 13th with Friday the 13th part 2 and I for one could not be more I don't know how to finish that sentence about it. I don't really know how to think. The first movie was not was kind of a disappointment. I don't understand it, but uh yeah, so this is our special episode. We're going to talk about Friday the 13th part 2. Hopefully, my personal hope is that we see Jason Voorhees do some machetting in this movie. I want to see it. I want to see the hockey mask. I want to see the machete. I want to see a gory slasher movie. Please and thank you. But, Alex, what are your hopes and dreams and, I don't know, desires or anything for this movie? Well, one day I'd like to, you know, be able to retire comfortably and possibly live on a farm somewhere. I think that would be a lot mm. of fun. Oh. But in terms of this movie, my hopes and dreams for it are... Yeah, similar to you, I would like to see Jason in this movie in in the adult hockey mask form. I think if we even get a glimpse of that, that would probably exceed my expectations of this movie. So, um, you know, fingers crossed. I don't know. Like we we did. We've done a lot of slashers. So like I'm not expecting anything Mm -hmm. groundbreaking. I think the main appeal of this movie is going to be Jason. So hopefully Jason delivers. You know, as iconic as Jason is, what new thing is he gonna bring to me? Right? Like I've 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 seen Michael. Mm-hmm. Who else is masked and silent? You know, bag face from the strangers. Oh, no. Scre- yeah, the ghost face were were silent for most of it, right? When they were masked. When they weren't on the phone. Yeah. yeah. The Fisher Fisherman from I Know What You Did oh, Last yes. Summer. I he was he silent. Yeah, yeah, yeah when he was his identity was in so it's like we've seen so much of this this is mm-hmm. also an older slasher movie so like i'm we're probably gonna see some kills but i think the main appeal is jason so hopefully jason delivers but i really don't <laughs> have any other hopes and expectations for this movie at all i know chucky was not silent chucky was, was not, not silent, silent but he was also not a masked killer mm-hmm. well he was a different person he was a different yeah, person but I, I was talking about masked <laughs> killers well masked silent yeah. killers the Chucky doll was masked for the guy who was the killer. What is this? An episode of Black Mirror? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? An episode of Black Window? Well, if you think about it, masks masks hide identity. I think yes. it applies. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, but Chucky wasn't silent. What are okay, all right, all right, all right. What <laughs> Sorry, what are it. you <laughs> Jesus. Oh my god. I'm looking for two out of two on my category list, okay? You're uh, only delivering okay. one. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. that's about as good 50% as 50% doesn't pass. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is going to happen in this movie, Luke? What are your hopes and your, I don't know, aspirations for this one? Do you have any? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think <laughs> the optimistic part of me says, well, there's like, I would say 0.2% chance that this movie is going to be worse than the first movie. So that's oh, like okay. something I think to hold on to. And I'm sure it will be cool to see Jason in the mask and the machete. I think he, it strikes quite a figure. But the thing with this kind of movie is it's really hard for me to see what could be different from the first movie. Right? Like right. the kills in the first movie were kind of probably the best part, even though they were some of them were off screen and de- characters decision making was absurd. And the like, <laughs> I suppose the dialogue could be better in this movie than the first one, but I don't really have a good reason to think that will be the case, especially just given <laughs> the era of when this movie came out. So I'm like, I actually right. am, I feel this kind of weird feeling about this movie. It's like, it can't be worse, but I don't know how it can be better. Like, I feel like the first movie dug this franchise into a pit that maybe the figure of Jason with a mask and a machete can climb out of. But mm-hmm. even even if Jason himself physically climbs out of the first movie's pit, it's just hard to imagine what would be very different in this kind of movie. And I think I think actually mm-hmm. I have a like floating thought of like I think the sequels really isn't there one movie where it's like Jason goes to space or something like that? Yeah, that's <laughs> Jason X. That's yeah. Jason X. That's the tenth so one. <laughs> I feel like they probably do start like pushing the envelope a little bit in terms of like what Jason is capable of doing and what's going to happen. And Mm -hmm. maybe that's what they have to do. But my prediction is it's going to be hard for me to take plot points as seriously as the characters of the movie do. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny coming into this franchise because so Friday the 13th part two came out in 1981. I just looked it up. That's, Mm. 40 years ago, right? So it's yeah. been around and Jason Voorhees is in the culture and is this figure from slasher movies. Everybody knows a uh, uh, masked machete wielding killer is from a horror movie. Like everybody knows that it's just one of those iconic things. And for us to like come to, again, you know, we're coming to this party super duper late, like the latest you could ever come to a party 40 years after it started. And <laughs> There is this endearing fandom around Jason Voorhees that I am still just baffled by. And I can't wait to see what happens and why this figure has transcended beyond the beginnings of the movie. Because I don't know, I'm hoping the second one shows that there is some versatility or there's something something redeeming about it, and I, I know that it goes crazy. I know Jason goes to hell at one point. That's that's a movie. I know he goes to space. I know there's like there's just so much zaniness around the the figure of Jason Voorhees that it might take us, you know, eight or nine more Friday the Thirteenths on the calendar to get through them all. But I I think having them be so spaced out is going to be good for. For us just to kind of like sit with this this character as as we go. So when mm-hmm. is the next Friday the thirteenth in the calendar? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. After in this the one. far distant future? I... It's probably wow. within the next year. Uh 
Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Friday, yeah, the thirteenth in twenty twenty two. There's always there's always at least two or one. There's always at least one. So the only one in twenty twenty one is today, Friday the thirteenth August. Next one's May. The next one is May, and then in twenty twenty three, there's one in January and one in October. So nice. If so we're still doing we... this podcast in twenty twenty three. If we're still doing it, we then got... that means we got to watch more of these. But maybe they'll get better, you know? No, I don't think they'll get better, but I think they will get more fun. And I think that's what I'm going to go in, is just being like, this is supposed to be goofy fun, watch a bunch of teens get hacked up. And I think that the lasting virtue of Jason Voorhees, if we can give it that, is a is the philosophy of like, well, the bee flies anyway. You know, there's all these... Scientific reports being like a bumblebee shouldn't be able to fly based on all the aerodynamics we know, blah, 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 right? We've all heard that analogy, and yet the bumblebee is still flying around. So I think that's like, these movies aren't good. This character is dumb. These characters are stupid. It's like, well, Jason, Jason's going to fly anyway. So fly to space. I think wow. we should. Yeah. <laughs> well, bumblebees have been pressure tested by evolution for millions and millions of years. We'll see how Jason stacks up a million years from now. <laughs> All right, Jason has still, been listen, pressure tested gonna, about for 40 years, right? <laughs> we're going to make a pact. If we're still doing this podcast in a million years, we'll yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. All right. And only 999,960 years left, Luke. Start your timer mm, for Jason Voorhees. Yeah. TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. All right, anyway, we're going to watch this movie. We're going to spoil this movie as if you can spoil a 40-year-old movie. I don't know. Just in case, please don't yell at us if we do spoil this movie after the trailer comes up. And if you're worried about the triggers, as ever, please check out DoesTheDogDie.com. And we will be able to join you all right after the trailer. And then we'll just leave a space so that we can have a new recording. June night in 1980, Friday the 13th, 12 of her friends were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, part two. The body count continues. 14. The day you 
count on for terror is not over. Friday the 13th, part two. Okay. Friday the 13th, part two, is a 1981 American slasher film produced and directed by Steve Miner in his directorial debut. It is the sequel to 1980's Friday the 13th and the second installment in the franchise. Taking place five years after the first film, part two follows a similar premise. I'll say that again. Part two follows a similar premise. No. Just totally Part two follows a similar premise with an unknown stalker killing a group of counselors at a training camp near Crystal Lake. The film marks the debut of Jason Voorhees as the series' main antagonist. Yes. I think Jason that really Voorhees. sums up my thoughts on this. Part 2 follows a similar premise. really want the listeners out there to know that Part 2 follows a similar premise. <laughs> well, based on our off-air chats just before we started recording, I think this is going to be a fun one. And I think I just want you to launch <laughs> into what you thought of this movie, Alex, because... I think i might go last but what do you what do you got how did you like friday the 13th part two here we go jason's in this movie not an eaves trough in sight you should be happy don't forget to stretch <laughs> <laughs> okay well if i'm gonna be entirely honest i do have to Please i think do. i have to do start that i did like part two more than the first one okay you know main reason being there was reasonable and realistic construction slash yard work that happened in this movie compared to the first one okay i actually did like the characters a little bit more than the first one while i don't remember all their names they were a little bit more memorable and a little bit more likable than the first one Mm -hmm. with that being said if you want to go back to the first bonus episode that we did and hear my thoughts on friday the 13th many of those will be similar to this one because part two follows a similar premise i think i've learned that i don't like your typical slasher movie involving teens and mm-hmm. promiscu promiscuality is that is that the right word promiscuity but close promiscuity yeah sorry ESL. <laughs> yeah this formula does not is not something i enjoy it's i mean like i like the occasional titty but you know sometimes <laughs> there's just like it's just when there's no point to it it's it's not fun for me. Like, I can see why people find this kind of genre fun because it's like, oh, like, you know everyone's going to die. Clarification on the titty point. Do you mean no point as in it's meaningless or no point as in there's no real discernible apex? Meaningless. I, oh, there okay. was definitely right. discernible apexness. Yeah, that's um, true. Sure. Okay. I just yeah. wanted to clarify. And being out in the camp as well, there were a ton of bush as well. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can talk a little bit more about that later. Right. Yeah, I I just, like, this is not a formula I quite enjoy very much. <sighs> okay. Like, the characters are fairly shallow. There's not much to it. And I think you have to be a certain kind of slasher fan to enjoy this, because obviously people enjoyed it enough that they made a whole franchise off of this. But internally, I, I don't feel like it's it's fair of me to judge the rest of the series based off of the first two movies, but... okay. I'm not looking forward to the next Friday the 13th when we have to watch the third one. I'll be honest. Because I feel like it's going to be the same thing again. And a little bit of the same. I don't like this very much. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess this movie drew inspiration from Psycho. There's a lot of mother-son strange relationship. Oh, yeah. So that was was cool in that, like, I, I did quite like that ending, like, 
close to the end. What what's her name? Like I don't remember the characters. Ginny. Yeah, Ginny. Ginny is like trying to impersonate Mrs. Voorhees. Mm-hmm. But like for the most part, this was this was not a good movie. The kills were kills were kind of this was this is 1981, so I don't think I can say this like that seriously. But they were kind of vanilla. Yeah. Okay. And nothing about this movie scared me, other than the fact that I knew that there's more that comes after this. <laughs> those are my initial thoughts that's funny all right okay luke i'd love to hear your initial thoughts i thought in this movie jason was really tall i found the camp to be quite outside and <laughs> the car the car was very mechanical that threw me off a little bit and Whoa. the haircuts were quite reminiscent of the late 70s early 80s so i thought all of that was really interesting no, I'm obviously being glib. Okay. This movie was not discernibly worse than Friday the 13th, but I also don't think it was discernibly better either. <laughs> like, there's no real thing that stuck out in either direction to say, hey, really nice continuation of the lore. I think Jason is a more compelling villain than his mother, simply because he's a more imposing person or entity i guess he's got air of supernaturalism to him as well as mm-hmm. the later movies take on so like i enjoyed the shots the first some of the first person shots were kind of fun i think that's a cool filming technique that even but it was even done better in evil dead which is a movie i also didn't like <laughs> very much so <laughs> it's like maybe not a complimentary comparison although i like i like that kind of camera work i think if it's done well mm-hmm. it's really compelling but there was nothing innovative in this film in terms of like a sequel i don't think maybe i missed something i didn't i didn't notice anything where i was like oh that's a really cool addition to these kind of movies and it was just like a lot of stupid hot people getting killed because they're stupid <laughs> and so many stupid hot people yeah i just <laughs> i guess the sociologist in me the most interesting thing about this movie is to like think about what must have been interesting to people in 1981 <laughs> and how i think culture is very different 40 years later because i don't think mm-hmm. this movie would be interesting to anybody now if it was a brand new movie like i think that friday the 13th is a nostalgic franchise for people in a way that i can respect and 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 have kind of like you know tongue-in-cheek conversations about i just don't Mm -hmm. think this kind of movie would get made anymore because it's just so 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 stupid and Mm -hmm. so I, I guess I'm complimenting modern movies and having like a little bit more respect for their audience than this movie appears to have for anyone. Not even like there's not even any respect for Jason in this movie. <laughs> it's just like all he could do is live in a shitty hut in the middle of the forest and not know the difference between someone with a head and someone without. And he's basically a monster. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty unanalyzable. Oh, okay. <laughs> because it's... Well, we can talk about it. It's just this... We can this, still talk about it. Oh, we, we sure will. <laughs> I, and I will say, and this is not meant to be bashing at it. This is like a legit criticism. I found the music in this movie to just be horrible. Like, it was so loud and so aggravating and so over the top and didn't stop. Like, it just didn't stop. There was like... 
like the last like 20 minutes of this movie was just loud violin strings that were cacophonous and hard to listen to. And I was just like, fuck off. Like this, I can tell this is a tense scene. Ginny's been running around for 10 minutes. I know she's in trouble. I don't need this. Like, and I, I like, I'm pretty, generally I'm pretty charitable to the music and the score in a movie. And this was like just the first movie that we've done this of our entire nothing to fear run where I was like looking directly at the orchestra and be like, shut the fuck up, please. <laughs> this like, is horrible. <laughs> but Jason is a big, tall, imposing guy with a face that only a severed head mom could <laughs> love. And I also don't understand why it was only five years. Cause he was way bigger than a five year gap would be from that Lake kid <laughs> to now. <laughs> Unless he's on steroids or something. He had his Wheaties, you know? He's juicing in the woods. Yeah. So, yeah. He he was tall and the okay. camp was very outside. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much for both of your insights. <laughs> I feel like this really. is a, this is a bit of a bombshell, but I kind of like this movie a lot. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know what it was. Uh, nothing you said. Nothing either of you said is wrong. It is exactly all of those things. It is a sequel that is just a bit more than the original. It has a lot of weird pacing, and the music was, yeah, just like nauseating <laughs> roller coaster strings cut with over and over again. And what was that originally from? That that sound like that. That's from the first the Friday Thirteenth one. one. Yeah, but I think it's yeah. from a different movie, even before that, or a TV show. Oh. Like I think there was a, oh. like maybe the Million Dollar Man or something like that. Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, I just think I think yeah, it was yeah, from yeah. a different. Anyway, there was a little there was a little shuddering sort of sound effect I know mm-hmm. from Six Million Dollar Man. I don't think it's quite the same as that one, but right. M- well, maybe I'll put it at the very end. I'll do a comparison. This, this movie is evidence that they could not rebuild Jason. They did not have the technology. Uh, anyway anyway i don't know what it was but once this movie got past the synopsis it actually surprised me in a couple ways like i expected everybody to get killed and most of them did but not all of them did which i i was definitely like oh i'm surprised that some of these camp counselors made it and the the way they made it was they just were like okay you're done being in the movie now bye and they just like they go into town and we never see them again but (laughs) still when they go to this training camp and there's just like a whole field of counts of counselors i'm like okay we're gonna see like a lot of kills and then they're like hey who wants to go into town now you're not in the movie anymore and so you survive but I, i don't know i think jason for him being like a woods monster that has like no moral compass and is somehow channeling his like dead mom's murderous spirit to get revenge. I thought his motives were pretty clear. He's like, stay away from my woods or I'll kill you. (laughs) And that's what he did. And then the way the movie ends, I can totally see why Jason would still be, you know, after Ginny. I mean, it did end basically the exact same way as the first one, which we got to see at the start of this movie, where she gets ca- attacked, and then there's a time cut for no reason, and she's in the ambulance, and you're just like, okay, I guess she survived somehow. But now I'm like, okay, Jason has a reason to be mad at Ginny, because Ginny wore his mom's sweater, and pretended to be his mom, and he probably didn't like that very much. And the kills were more inventive than the first one, Simply by being on screen for most of the time. I remember in the first Halloween, uh, not Halloween, Friday the 13th, the kills were off screen. And we would just sort of 
only find a dead body later and you didn't get to see any of that. And I like that we got to see more action on screen. Everybody in this movie was like intensely 1980s hot. And that was <laughs> that was very fun. And you know what? The dog didn't die, but they made me think the dog died. So I was like, I had I had, uh, you know, I was sad for the dog. And then at the very end, I was glad that the dog made it. So I don't know. This movie I liked way more than Friday the 13th Part 1. I mean, I gave that one a zero, so it wasn't a hard bar to clear. <laughs> but you know what? I'm glad my expectations weren't, you know, disappointed. <laughs> I I didn't go in thinking they would be met, honestly. I thought I would be the same or worse, but I don't know. This one was fun. I just had fun, a fun time watching it. And Alex, your point of not liking the formula of a giant tall monster killing teenagers... Yeah, that's a that's a dumb formula. But for some <laughs> reason, I was able to just to like get cozy and get into it and be like, OK, let's just start seeing when these when these kids start dying. <laughs> so that's my initial take. That's my initial take of Friday yeah. the 13th Part 2. I just think expectation calibration probably helped all three of us with this film. Mm-hmm. I, d- I definitely mm-hmm. had a way lower introductory or uh, intro opinion. <laughs> and that definitely helped. Yeah, I think where it started turning around for me was in the very not the very opening, because then we see that the very opening we see Jason finding the last girl from the first movie and killing her. And I could not remember her name. I wanted to say Amy, maybe, but I for like a million dollars, I could not tell you what her name was without looking it up. It was Alice. Okay, well, see. (laughs) And so I I just like it up. I recognize her. I know her face because I'm seeing the first movie again and so like once she's off the board and we get the the new group i remember getting very annoyed when it's sandra and jeff the the couple that pull up in their big truck and they're making a call to their buddy to find out the directions and i remember getting mad because i was like why are they towing this truck right away this is such a like they were parked there for like two minutes it's so unbelievable they'd be towing this truck and then it's revealed to be this prank by ted i was like oh you know what movie? You exceeded my expectations already. And I thought that Ted looked like Linguini from Ratatouille. Yes. Yeah. Like, absolutely. <laughs> but then I also wondered how Ted did that because there's no cell phones in 1981. So they're calling him on a number where they know where he is. But they're still surprised to see him in the house just around the corner. So I didn't know how that worked. <laughs> you know what? Ted was probably like when you get to the town, park next to the gas station and call this yeah. number. I for sure see Ted doing that, like Ted planning that far in advance, talking to the tow truck driver, who's not even like flinching, not even like giving (laughs) any attention to the man running beside him. I was like, come on, have a heart. And then it's all a big prank. It's a pretty good prank, Ted. Nobody got hurt. He was way more inoffensive than the other prankster guy in the first Halloween. Fucking not Halloween movie. Not Halloween. (laughs) Friday the 13th. I can't tell my Michaels from my Jasons. I'm afraid you've <laughs> spilled the beans there, Billy. <laughs> yeah. I just I thought Ted was was much more harmless than the other jokester, who I think his name was Harold, but I I don't care enough to look back or or be corrected. But I just was I warmed to the characters a lot quicker, and I thought they were fun. Well, I mean, Jeff and Sandra are pretty naive then if they are surprised that Ted was behind all this. <laughs> Because, like, they call him, they talk, like, he's talking to Ted, and then they see him two minutes later, and they're like, oh, you did this. 
It's like, well, <laughs> where did you think Ted would be? <laughs> where did you think Ted would be? I think they were just happy to see their friend. They were like, oh, you got us. Good prank, Ted. Ah, yeah. You know what? You know, you got me. That was well done. And I think they didn't care to ask follow-up questions. <laughs> I guess. But then very quickly, we get to meet the rest of the camp counselors. And I wanted to ask this because... In the movie, this is set up as not going back to Camp Crystal Lake. That place has been condemned for the past five years. And in our in our movie, we have Paul, the head counselor, I guess. He's setting up a training camp to reopen a camp somewhere else on the lake. And I want to know, Luke, you've done outdoor camps. You've been a, an outdoor camp counselor in your life. That's true. What What is the training like when it's just the adults and no kids there? Do you have a similar training? Something like, not obviously not <laughs> that, because that seems like there would be breaking a lot of rules, but it was the 80s, so. <laughs> yeah, it's it different. was it was definitely a little different <laughs> than theirs, because theirs seemed to consist of like five minutes of a pep talk, and here are some <laughs> tools, go get to work. But yeah, there's training, but our training... When we did it, it was like 10 days. So you do lots You do lots of stuff. There's lots that go into a camp in the summer. Clearly, standards and practices have changed in the <laughs> almost 40 years between that camp and mine. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, it's so, so different. <laughs> I can't evaluate it. Really. I mean, all right, I, all right. They, they, that's that entire scene was simply so that we could have everyone in one place to see all the faces so mm-hmm. that when they're dispersed and killed more singly, we could be like, wait, who is that again? Because <laughs> I know that there's other people in this movie, but I don't know if the person that just got <laughs> killed is the person that I saw on that bench or on that bench. <laughs> yeah. I, so I was a little bit relieved when at the end of the movie, when, like ev- like everybody but Ginny and Paul that went to town does not return to camp because I didn't have to remember them because there's just so many characters that like hey this <laughs> so is your name people. and if you don't have a distinguishing feature to you I'm not going to remember who you are this is like this is the this is not just a Friday the 13th problem this is a problem with every single movie ever made if you have a large cast of like mm-hmm. people without defining characteristics but you give them names like I, I don't care and I don't I'm not going to remember who they are. So it was like part of this was a little bit nicer than the first one. So there were like this distinguishing characters. There's there's Ginny and Paul, which obviously you'll remember because they're like head of camp. And then there's mm-hmm. Ted, who's who's the jokester. And then you got the truckers the, the from the truck. The, those two. And then you got That's the Jeff and Sandra. Jeff yep. and Sandra are the truckers. You got Skinny Dipper and Perv. Mm hmm. Terry and Scott. <laughs> Terry and Scott. You got the, the 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 puppy, and you got wheelchair and <laughs> incredibly horny girl. So that's Mike and Vicky. There Come we on. go. Like, <laughs> how do I remember all these? Good job, Billy. No, I think that I think the guy was Mark. Oh, was it Mark? I, you know what? Yeah. I was. Uh, yes, it was Mark. It was. Mark. I thought. Yeah. I thought that Mark character looked a lot like Tom Welling, and I was like, "That is that Tom Welling?" And then I remembered that this movie was in 1981, <laughs> and it was not Tom. Tom Welling, Welling would have been like five years old in 1981. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, even though I personally, as evidenced in the last 40 seconds, did not remember any of their names, they had distinguishing characteristics about them that helped me remember them. And I'm glad that I didn't have to remember any other characters because there were quite a few, right? Like that truck was fully packed when they left for town. 
There were. And they were accredited as additional counselors, which, I mean, the, the whole vibe of them leaving to go into town th- th- gave me strong reminiscent feels of Wet Hot American Summer. I don't know if both of you have seen that movie, or I, I think, Alex, you have. Long time. But I don't know if you have, Luke. I don't think so. You should check it out if you can find it, listeners. It's a funny, funny movie. It's comedy. It's sort of that same period, and I think the exact sort of idea of like summer camp sexy time summer camp counselors but it's just sort of the idea of like okay the kids are coming tomorrow everyone gets to go off and have one more night in town (laughs) drinking at the bar yeah all the all the extra counselors who we you know to be fair they never did get a name and they didn't get a single line and so i was like okay so these actors aren't paid enough to speak on camera they're they're just like maybe one step above extra so i don't think we're gonna see them forever and i i or, or Jason will somehow, I don't know, kill them all in a big fishing net or something. And it'll be like, oh, no, he got all of our extra counselors in one fell swoop. But I was happy to see they they survived. And that even Ted, I, I totally called Ted for being killed. I was like, this guy, this jokester guy who's like goofing around and wearing the mask, he's definitely going to die. And then he just, I guess, struck out at the bar and tried to find an after party to go to with some old people. <laughs> So that was his journey. Better than dying, right? <laughs> better than dying. You know, a bad night is better than being killed by a maniac in the woods. Well, well some, some might say. argue that hanging out with old people after hours might be worse than dying, but you I think know, I bet better. they had some good stories. Mm-hmm. Maybe that old couple takes him to the Eyes Wide Shut party, and this is actually like the Stanley Kubrick extended universe. Holy shit. <laughs> I bet that's it. I bet yeah. that's it. That's my prediction. Yeah, Alex, your your point of like the formula being the same it's it's pretty much as soon as they're at the camp you get a couple bits of exposition about like uh oh five years ago there was a big murder that happened and now we call it blood lake because i guess in universe crystal lake is still not a scary phrase like it is for us we the the phrase crystal lake has friday the 13th i hear crystal lake and i just think there's gonna be a bunch of meth dealers there (laughs) (laughs) the scariest yeah a young Jesse Pinkman was a camper at this lake. <laughs> oh, now it's a Breaking Bad spinoff too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Vince Gilligan. Okay, can you I can I go prequel. over the things that made me feel like I was watching the first one? Yes. Okay. Why don't you do that? Okay. Crazy Ralph returns. There's, <sighs> I loved him. Once again, there's first person shots with like the the music and then the stuff happening and then ha- like there's some of it where it's obviously jason whereas in the first one it was obviously mrs Voorhees. but then some mm-hmm. of it was also crazy ralph and in the first one some of it was also crazy ralph half the counselors go to the town for a night out that happened in the first one the ones that stay behind they get super horny that's what happened in the first one that's it just what happens r- at camp though it starts that's raining <laughs> that's what happened in the first one yeah well, it's a similar it's climate it's the same Very climate. Similar same climate. Yeah. You know, in the first one, the generator went out. And in this one, Skinny Dipper tripped over the cord. So there was no lights. Kind of similar. I don't know. It's just... <laughs> Everything felt the same. It's the same. The only difference was, I think, the number of kills and the way they did get killed. Because we have this knowledge in our minds of freddy not freddy what the hell is this kid's name jason i don't it's all the same jason has a hockey mask and a machete and that's what he uses to kill people with except no hockey mask 
He didn't get the hockey mask, and he hey, was a we're different one step weapon closer for every kill. <laughs> yeah, we're one step closer. I like that's what excited me too. But like, so so like we have in our mind, we have this like figure of Jason where we see it's hockey mask machete. That's what he's got, and I I don't think I realize that he's really just more of an opportunistic killer. He'll just kill with a different weapon every time because that looks cooler on screen. But also, he just sort of grabs whatever's at hand. Like he used. What did he use in this movie? He used a spear. Tried to use a pitchfork. Kind of fucked up on that one. He had a couple machetes. He had a hammer. He took the sheriff sheriff out with a hammer. He had barbed wire. He had he had a pickaxe on he had a pickaxe. Right? Yeah, a nice pick. Yeah. So he's versatile. He he knows he doesn't know much, but he knows how to stab somebody in the head with a metal instrument, and that's just a life skill you should all hope to cultivate one day. Okay, you know what will help me maybe forgive this movie slash franchise a little bit more? So Mm -hmm. let's say, like, I think we've all known Jason as this, like, hockey mask killer with the machete, right? Like, that when you Mm -hmm. think Jason Voorhees, that's what you think. Obviously, he did not have the hockey mask in this one, so I'm wondering when he'll have it. And and we're we're getting, like, in last movie, like, the first Friday 13th, I was really excited to see Jason, and he never showed up till the end, and he wasn't, Mm -hmm. he was just like a kid. So... I'm feeling like, obviously, I'm feeling disappointed that we're not getting the full Jason experience. But if we're comparing it to something that we love, imagine knowing about Darth Vader and this really cool, <laughs> like, villain that's, like, masked and breathes and, like, has this mm-hmm. red lightsaber. But having to start at Phantom Menace and working your way up. Being like, where the fuck is Darth Vader? Oh, he's this kid. And then in the second one, oh, he's grown up a little bit. Oh, he lost his arm. That's a little bit more roboticness. And then you don't finally see Darth Vader as Darth Vader till the very end of Revenge of the Sith. And then by A New Hope, it's like, oh, shit, this is the Darth Vader we knew about. So maybe it's the same in this one, right? Like, we're, we're obviously watching this in order. But, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a similar way, it's like, we know Jason to be this really cool villain. But, like, we got we to gotta do baby steps to progress from... The boy in the lake to <laughs> full-on masked, hockey-masked machete killer. And we're just working so, our way up to a new hope in this universe. Yeah. Here's what I think. Is that a good comparison, Luke? Yeah, yeah. I see, Friday the 13th, I see you shaking your head. <laughs> here's my prediction. Friday the 13th 3, we have a face-off between Ginny and Jason. And like Ginny a literal has... face-off? Like in hockey? No, not Well, maybe, maybe. Is that how but he gets G- his mask? Maybe? But Ginny has the high ground. And Jason tries to jump at her, and Ginny manages to cut both of his legs and his other arm off. And then he burns up really bad so that the reincarnated ghost of his mom, who's the emperor now in this analogy, puts him in the chamber and gives him the the hockey mask. So it's going to be exactly like the end of Revenge of the Sith, is what I'm saying. You know what? I would would watch that movie. (laughs) There's an assumption baked into your analogy, Alex, that I'm not... I don't think applies to Friday the 13th, which is that Friday the 13th had three great movies that it was building off of when it made its (laughs) shitty movies. Friday the 13th started shitty. So they had nothing like in the bank to be. So you're like the analogy essentially is Friday the 13th would have been Star Wars. If Star Wars had been made in the worst possible way, you could have made Star Wars. (laughs) But like, let's just say it's someone like that grew up knowing all about Star Wars. And some one day they're like, Oh, I've never seen any of them. Let's watch these movies in order. And they started episode one, two, three, four. Right, they, right, yeah. right. Well, like that. Yeah, okay. Tell you what, I will. I will be more on board with that analogy. I mean, it's a fun analogy. I will be more on board with its like truth 
relationship if there happen to be three incredibly great movies in this franchise, which yeah, I'm so- not exactly sure will happen. Not to mention the fact <laughs> that one of the reasons why Star Wars is so great is because we get Darth Vader right early in A New Hope, and he is so <laughs> imposing and scary and fucking terrifying. So it's like, it's I don't know, it's, it feels like Jason would be Darth Vader if they had made him 100% better from the beginning. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that's true. true. I agree. Who do you think would win? Jason or Darth Vader? Vader. Uh, well. Darth Vader's going to win that one. Although, He's going to chop him up with a lightsaber. Or force choke it... him. He's got the force. Jason doesn't have the force. Yeah, but Jason can travel in space. That puts so him on so equal Vader. level. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think there's a contest. But also, Jason can't die. So maybe he's like... Maybe maybe he'll Dormammu or or, oh. or Doctor Strange. Vader's in a similar way to Dormammu, where Vader just gets fed up and says, "All right, go away." <laughs> <laughs> so win a, a victory by attrition. <laughs> yeah, I I get so bored with killing you, so give take what you want and leave. <laughs> good point. Good point. I want to look at what the box office was. Box office uh, budget one point two five million. Box office twenty one point seven. So is the fucking smash. <laughs> so, yeah, the jokey part is is fair, Alex. I think that's funny that yeah, it would be we don't we don't get masked Jason until later. Which mm-hmm. is kind of exactly like the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> I I want to know how he gets to that point. But I feel like it's yes. not going to be as like interesting as Anakin's story to the Darth Vader. It's just going to be like no. every movie he just it. shows up well, every movie he just shows up with a new thing that's like, okay, that's yeah. Jason. But we already know his backstory. The counselors let him drown. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's his backstory. It's true. It's true. That is his backstory. How can the counselors grant me to be on the council but not give me the rank of master? It's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. All right. Well, I think like you know we're being glib about this movie, but <laughs> the fact of the matter is of the of the nineteen eighty slasher movie is like as much as we maybe don't like it, we don't have a taste for it in twenty twenty one. It's like an excuse to watch sexy people on screen get killed, and that's mm-hmm. like that's what you got. You got it. You got like some nudity. You got some hotness from all over the gender spectrum in this movie, and it was. You know, it wasn't bad to look at. Yeah, I like I like those parts. <laughs> but I feel like in the... Okay, so this is a little fact that I read about that's like weird. And it makes me feel that they did not vet movies very well in, in that time. And there was no like, there's no standard that was followed. Because obviously this is a big no-no. But apparently the actor that played Sandra, Marta Kober. So mm-hmm. she's the one that hooked up with Jeff and then they got speared together. She had lied and said she was of age, but she was actually 16, and they had filmed a full frontal with her, so they had to edit that out later. So it's like, (laughs) how does that even happen? It was the 80s. Fake ID. Yeah, it's like, we don't don't need to see any ID. There's no, well, (laughs) it's not even ID. It's like she straight up lied. So it's like, how old are you? Oh, I'm 21. Okay. It's like, no, show me, show me a birth certificate. Like, (laughs) like, especially if you're filming some nudie, right? Like, Told you, man. Standards right. and practices. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it applies I mean, to the movie itself. <laughs> it applies to the movie and applies to the actual camp itself, right? Yeah. It's true. I, I thought that was maybe 
there was something behind that because it seemed like they were setting up for more than one nude scene and then it like was a really strange cut when they when Jeff and Sandra were doing it before they got speared. And that makes sense that you know they were like, "Oh shit, we have underage nudity in this movie. That's illegal. That's a crime. We are not going to do crimes." Her dialogue definitely was reminiscent of a 16-year-old. <laughs> she was. She just wanted to go to the camp. Just fun movie fact, Lawrence Fishburne did that for Apocalypse Now. I think he said he was 17 or 18, but he was really 14. So he was 14 on that set and in that movie when they filmed it, and they didn't know. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. That's intense, because that is Apocalypse Now. That's an intense movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Okay, so there's one thing I did like about this movie, just just by checking my notes again, mm. is the sort of lore around Jason and Camp Crystal Lake, and that people know about this thing that happened. It's not a secret, which, for some reason... I assume that slasher movies, like, they don't remember what happened movie after movie, but it's nice to know that there's, like, this happened five years ago, this is why Camp Crystal Lake is shut down, we can't get to it, and I like that the police officer is talking to Paul after he catches Jeff and Sandra trespassing on the Camp Crystal Lake property, being like, why this lake? Like, why can't you set up your camp somewhere else? And I was just like, good question, police officer, because I had that too. It was like... Why would you set up your camp next to one where a murder took place, even if there's not a deranged psychopathic murderer with a mask on in the woods, even if like it's just a horrible like it's a place with trauma? Like, why would you build your camp next to it? <laughs> it just doesn't How- seem. OK, so, like so here's a good thought experiment. How many years removed do you need to be before you can do something like that? I think more than five. Certainly. <laughs> I feel like. A century? I feel like a century. Because it, it's probably the same as, like, this house is on sale, and it's quite cheap, but a family of ten was murdered here so-and-so years ago. At what point would you be like, no, I don't want to do that to, yeah, this is a good deal. This is some good real estate. I'll, I'll take it. What's what's the what's the deal? What are we talking? We're talking, like, Vancouver apartment pricing? Cause... Yeah, let, let's do that. <laughs> so, $10 million. <laughs> <laughs> For a ten family home, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that that's a good um, point though, Billy. Like, I I do like how this universe at least is very self aware of what happened because I often find it's like the characters are completely ignorant to a fact. It's like, oh, I didn't know this happened five years ago, but like they all were, and there's this legend, and it's not even a legend because it was so recent. It's five years ago, and it's like it's still kind of fucked up. But obviously, none of them were aware of the fact that Jason is still alive and killing. Mm-hmm. it's like because who who would believe that though exactly yeah because the killer in the first one was mrs Voorhees, and she's dead mm-hmm. very dead yeah i guess i think you just start running into some logistical problems when that starts happening in your plot which is fine for these kind of movies but if there was kind of like collective knowledge of these murders and then alice is murdered in her house any halfway decent police officer is going to be like, I wonder if there's a connection between the murders that she was a part of at the camp and the one in her house. And then they'd start an investigation, probably. And then I just it, it would be hard to believe that people know about this potential dangerous camp. And they've even like sectioned it off. So they still think it's mm-hmm. kind of dangerous in some way. And they haven't combed the woods for p- a potential suspect. It's not like Jason's shack is particularly hidden. If any any no. any sort of decent police operation is going to find him. And so, yeah, I mean, I know I ask these boring, real <laughs> logistical based questions 
But that's how my mind goes to. It's like, oh, okay, well, if we're establishing that the characters know about this, where have the police done nothing? Now, I guess that's a question we can ask about this entire podcast run is why have the police done nothing? <laughs> which well, is which is fine. Like you could just swallow that for horror movies, but that's a critique I make of movies that start to really like pinpoint things in their plot if they're a goofy mm-hmm. film, because then yeah. they're I to me as a as a viewer that invites the door to be open for me to criticize logistical or logic based fallacies or or harder to swallow isms. <laughs> if, okay. If the movie invites me, I, I'm not going to go out of my way in a movie like this. But if it invites <laughs> me with plot points like that, I I feel I have to. You're a plot point vampire. You yes. won't make fun. You won't make fun. But if you get invited in, you're gonna exactly. bite some necks. Exactly. <laughs> I th- I think in the the campfire scene when Paul is telling like the story of Jason and and Pamela Voorhees, he mentions that the girl that survived Jason's attack, so obviously Alice disappeared mm-hmm. two months later so i don't think they necessarily had definitive evidence that she was killed i guess jason once he pickaxed or ice axed her he removed the body and hid the evidence but yep no i i yeah there, but it, there but would be something the right? cops still will investigate that of course they should have and right. been like oh you know she got disappeared and, right after and yet and what happened to her? and somehow like maybe i'm not remembering this right but the was it the police or who has who has cordoned off? I'm for, I'm totally blank on the word. Like th- cordoned camp- off. Hey, cordoned yeah, yeah. off is right. Yeah, yeah. Th- they this camp is trespassing or something. I don't know who did that th- to go back to it. I think it's just condemned. I think it's just condemned is what they said. Oh, but but not because it's well maybe because their eaves troughs were falling down. Hey, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, bad drainage. <laughs> I just think you have to accept. Uh, several bad arguments to determine that the cops have not searched this place a little bit more thoroughly. Yeah, but Luke, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> these are 1981 cops, right? <laughs> and I'm sure you, all you needed was a seventh grade education to get hired on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, standards have improved a little bit now. All you need is a GED. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny too, though, is that like. The hmm. the 1970s are kind of like the heyday or the beginning of like the cop movies and the cop TV shows, you know, like obviously mm-hmm. there were ones before that. But if you can imagine like the hair and the glasses and the cars, like that's so iconic of the 70s. So it's just funny that there would be none of them, you know, a year into the next decade to do any no. investigations. <laughs> Not in small town, sleepy town, New Jersey. Like, you know, it's it's very much like the, yeah. well, there's no crime around these parts. And like, you know, we've, we've never had to deal with anything like this until the Camp Crystal Lake thing for five years. And then they were just like, well, what if we, what if we just tell people not to go in the woods and then maybe it'll go away on its own. And that just sort of seems like the vibe of what the community would be like, where it's just like, yeah, we, we had this thing happen, but let's, let's not talk about it because we don't want to dredge up painful memories or whatever. Well, I'll I'll frame it in a positive way then. I really have appreciated okay. in, in more modern movies how they how they've been written to not have incompetent cops whose job it is to search out these kind of things and yet still have a believable killer or motivation or scary situation mm-hmm. or horrific elements. I I give more kudos to people who can not fall into the all these cops are stupid and that's why this is able to happen kind of basket of, mm-hmm. of storytelling. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I don't know if we're giving it a little bit more leeway. This is like a small town in the middle of nowhere with the camp. Like, I'm sure they don't have the the best resources available as you would in a big city. But yeah, but they had like six I, I, you know what? You know what? I am. You're right. I'm. I'm tired. I'm. I'm done trying to defend this movie. For those, <laughs> those things. I will defend right. it in other aspects, but not for okay. the investigation of the police officers. <laughs> All right, here we go. I want to. I want to stand up two wheel broom into a different different topic. We've ranted along the avenue enough. <laughs> <laughs> New segment coming soon. But okay, so let's talk about the kills in this movie because we do get some on on screen, and I would like you to think of one that is your was your favorite kill in this movie. Okay, well, this one is actually quite poetic because as Sandra was, as you call it, getting speared by Jeff, they too also <laughs> became speared by Jason. So it's it's really like, a, a, a I think, a, a great kind of... Threesomes are not uncommon at camps. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the whole, I don't know, poetry, the allegory of uh, what is happening to them as becomes happening as they were happening. Yeah, it's it's, it's poetic. I think that that kill was really fun, too. It wasn't my favorite, but as soon as he picked up that spear, I was like, oh, are we going to get a two for one? And then we got two for one. Yeah, we got we got the bargain (laughs) bin Jason kill right there. I was just very excited. And it reminded me of it was like an inverse of how he kill or how I guess Mrs. Voorhees kills Kevin Bacon in the first movie where stabs. From, behind, from below the bunk, yeah, out, out yeah. through the chest. So I thought that was a nice parallel. So your favorite kill is the Sandra Jeff two-for-one special. Right. Yeah, it's Ooh. a shish, shish, camper shish kebab. Camper shish kebab. Do you have a favorite kill, Luke? I mean, I was just glad that he got Scotty, because that guy was a big asshole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree. Such an asshole. <laughs> and, I mean... Such an asshole. It's just so funny, the snare. Those are funny. Yeah, that looked like a really interesting prop. Like, I would be interested to know some history on, like, how the actor did that. Because the way that, like, he was being drawn up in the air and his arms were flailing, it looked like maybe he wasn't ready. Or, like, he was, they're like, okay, we're going to pull you up in the air and you're not a stunt person. But it's 1981, so who cares? And, like, we'll just see what happens. It just felt like it was really real. Like, as real as it could be. Do you find that, like, Scotty is a character archetype? is in every single slasher movie there's there's always that one really insensitive asshole that no one likes so that you know when he kill when he dies or gets killed by the killer it's it's like okay yeah you're like see you later scotty (laughs) we didn't like you that much he's like the stew Mm. right the stew stew. (laughs) also at the very start when we first get introduced to him he fucking like what slingshots a rock right into terry's ass (laughs) yeah what the fuck? He, he, he's he's introduced as doing a harassment on a woman. <laughs> and then he's like, look how pouty I am. Look at how cute I look. And you're like, Scott, I think you may be a shit dude. <laughs> standards and practices. Standards and practices. Standards and practices. My favorite kill, I think, in the movie was just the like really quick shot of the machete in the face of Mark when he gets machete and then his wheelchair rolls down the stairs and there's that really weird like freeze frame and zoom in like before the wheelchair gets to the bottom of the stairs and i couldn't figure out why they made that choice like why did they make that weird zoom in 
thing, my prediction, because I didn't do any research at all, was that the dummy they had in the wheelchair kept falling out at the wrong time and they couldn't get a shot of it. So they're just like, I don't know, fucking, we take the best clip, we take the best part of the clip we can use, and that's what we got. (laughs) So that was my favorite kill. And then to talk about Jason more, you know, Jason Voorhees, the killer of this movie, who, yes, you're right, we got to see him. I think he was more compelling because he was actually shown to be able to be injured. You know, there was more stakes. He wasn't unstoppable. He wasn't like Michael Myers who can get shot 10 million times and keep going and then get hit by a car. He he could get injured. And when Ginny turns on him with the chainsaw, I saw actual fear in the eye of that pillowcase, like that mm-hmm. little ripped open eye hole. Like that was like, you could tell the guy was like, oh shit, that's a fucking chainsaw. <laughs> and I thought that was just very well acted. This is actually a point I want to bring up because I think it kind of is another reason why I don't necessarily enjoy these formulaic teen slasher movies very much is that okay for the majority of this movie and I talked about this in Halloween 4 I I think it's identical it hasn't come out yet I will talk about this in Halloween 4 <laughs> yes listen to that <laughs> coming up <laughs> uh, <laughs> So for the majority of this movie, and I find most slasher movies that are of this type, is that the killer is so precise and methodical, and like they're a savant in everything, in every kill that they do, and they're so stealthy. And then they get to the point of the movie where it's like the final showdown between, like one of the main protagonists. Oftentimes, mm, our final it's, girl. Yeah, yeah. O- like it. Oftentimes, most of the time, it's the final girl against the killer and the killer suddenly maybe it's because like you know for for plot purposes yeah we want to make the the hero be able to survive or at least have a chance but suddenly the killer becomes this blumbering idiot right mm-hmm. everything that was shown to us in the 90% of the movie or 80% of it before is suddenly gone because we need to make compelling action and have us ourselves feel tense for the main character but then jason was not he was efficient in 90 percent of his kills he was just not efficient (laughs) for that last 10 percent, which is so it takes me out of it right fair okay here's a here's an explanation it's a glib explanation i'll let you know spoiler alert that this is not really a serious explanation but (laughs) just just think about it he's been running through the woods all day long he's been murdering people with spears and leading police officers through chases through miles and miles of woods and killing them with hammers and hiding bodies you're doing that much cardio and strength all day long by the end of the day you're fucking tired. You know, his muscles are probably sore. He probably needs a bath. You know, he probably just wants to, like, kick back and relax. And this is like, okay, I just got to kill Ginny. Maybe I'll stand up on this rickety wooden chair so that it falls down at the most inopportune time. You know, maybe he's just tired. Great explanation, Billy. I, I'm really <laughs> satisfied with that explanation. I think that really helps explain everything that I don't like about these movies. And it's a satisfying reason. He just gets and tired. I will... I will accept that and not well, pursue I, it any further. I think the real answer is it's impossible to give real answers. That's true. Yeah, I think there's no way. In that climactic scene, he's standing on this chair, but still manages to convince Ginny he's gone outside by opening and closing a door that's like 20 feet away without her seeing him do that. How do he do that? <laughs> Does he have a pole that he's like <laughs> that he's like holding and like... Door opens, door closes. Oh, he's outside. And then he's just so quiet. 
that she doesn't see him. But then as soon as she sees him, she hits the chair, he just falls and he can't kill her. Like it's just yeah. it's too funny. Just, yeah, it's like why why why, Jason, you know she's under that bed. You know she's hiding. Like what what's to stop him from just like one arming that bed out of the way and stabbing her? Like why does he have to go and, and trick her? Like why is you're right, why is now the time he's trying to trick her to get her to run away when he's just shown as sneaking up on people and killing them without giving them a chance to see him, right? Like yeah. crazy old man Ralph just chain you know, around the neck, Jeff and Sandra, Spear, even the police officer who goes into the murder house. Like Yeah. He doesn't give him a chance to run away. He was completely silent in that police officer kill. The police officer had no idea Jason was behind him at all. Even like in this like supposedly really creaky shack, he just walks <laughs> up behind him and nothing. But then for this final kill, he has to be as unsubtle as possible. It kind of takes me out of the character in the movie. But well, it's because the it's movie. Minor complaint in the overall it's cause the movie was ending. scheme of things. The movie we was need, ending. We needed more a more tense climax. Speaking of the movie ending, though, I want to talk a little bit about the shrine scene and mm. the showdown where we see that Jason has kept his mother's head and sweater, sure, to pay homage to her. And he's still, you know, we don't know if he thinks she's alive or she's speaking to him or whatever. But before we get into a bit more discussion around it, I have to give a shout out to the actress who played Ginny because I thought she was visibly struggling with the fact of should I put this dead head on my head and pretend to be Jason's mom even more? And yeah. just like the way she was plucking at the neckline of the sweater, I was like, oh, is she going to do it? Is she going to do it? And then she couldn't do it. I was just like, that's some good, that's some good acting. Actress who played Ginny, whose name I don't know. Amy Steele. Amy Steele. Uh, middle Alex. name man of. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll talk yeah. about this scene. I believe um, you're thinking of Brandon Ruth. Who that? Yes. Man of. Middle name man of. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. This scene was actually, I thought, was was my favorite scene in the movie. I'll give it that. And I thought it was actually quite well set up. It didn't feel really inserted as like a final thing just because it felt set up from the start of the movie. So it's Ginny's character who does it. And... At the bar when Ginny's talking to Paul and Ted, she's the she's the only one like she kind of has that little monologue about thinking about Jason and thinking about like, Mm -hmm. like, think about him. Like he's probably like he drowned. His mom watched him drown or whatever. I don't remember exactly what she said, but something along those lines of trying to empathize (laughs) with Jason a little bit and to think about what if this is all true. Right. Yeah. So she's like talking about him and thinking about is it possible that Jason is a killer in the woods and why he would be like that. So I thought it was really nice that they kind of set that shrine scene up with her kind of little Hmm. little speech at the bar because of all the characters to actually think about putting on the sweater, imitating his mom. It worked for her because she had thought about all this already and thought about like why he would have been doing this and the relationship that Jason had Mm -hmm. with his mom. So I thought, like, in in the grand scheme of things, like, this was not a good movie, but the setup to that scene was, was, like, reasonable in my mind, and the scene itself I really liked, like, kind of the the switching between Ginny and Mrs. Voorhees, just back and mm, forth, yeah, and having yeah. the voice go back and forth, and then whoever played Jason, like, the eyes, like, you only really see Jason's eyes, but, like, they seem super Only his one eye, too. Only, like, yeah. one eye. Yeah, but it was, like... I felt a lot of emotion in that and it it was part 
of the movie that actually made me feel interested in Jason's character a little bit because obviously he had this traumatic thing happen to him and his mom is a little wasn't able to cope with it in a very healthy positive way to say the least and then he apparently survives and has some kind of mother issue very similar to psycho and i I like psycho a lot so i kind of like the homage that it paid to that and just Mm. the head as a prop was actually really cool i like when at the start when alice opens the fridge and you see the head there and then you kind of see the head on a shrine with all the dead bodies around it it made it made it that jason was a more interesting character in that scene and with that whole dynamic so i like the shrine scene that's a that's a one and a quarter thumbs up for me for the shrine scene. Oh, there you go. Luke, any thoughts about the shrine shrine time? They had set it up decently in the movie as there being this room that is like the sacred room. So it made sense that the movie would, would end there. I don't know. Like I'd have to think about this a bit more, but the connection to Psycho feels a little bit opportunistic for this kind of movie because i think psycho is a much better film and a much smarter Mm -hmm. film and a much deeper film about mental health at least as it could have been in 1960 whereas this movie is clearly a romp so i don't know i'd have to think about that a bit more but just like psycho is one of the greatest movies ever made so i get i get the homage that's totally fine but i think the themes of psycho are so deep that it feels a little opportunistic that this movie might cash in on that homage without making such a deep movie itself. <laughs> but that's maybe neither here nor there. Yeah, it was well, good. It would be the first time a movie in the 1980s <laughs> right. carelessly profited <laughs> off of some other pop culture. <laughs> Finally, it happened. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm. it's really hard for me to put myself into a place of understanding Jason other than he was bullied like that seems obviously like maybe it's the 80s i don't know how deep of an insight it is to say that you shouldn't bully because it can really hurt the person who you're bullying that's of course the (laughs) modern but uh, also he doesn't talk he doesn't he's he's just this kind of psychopathic killer good job Ginny. you escaped you used his weakness against him but then also not (laughs) because he got you at the end i think so allegedly well isn't the last scene him jumping through the window and like yeah but she survives she survives because it cuts to the next morning and she's being loaded into an ambulance Uh, so and you don't get to see how that that point luke there was about 30 seconds left (laughs) in the movie i have to just turn it off i have to be honest with you there was a lot of parts of this movie where i was doing something else (laughs) (laughs) i don't remember all the details but I do. It was Paul's survival that was ambiguous but that's, because she calls out for yes. him and he's nowhere there. Right. But that also is exactly how the first one ends, right? To your point. Yes. Like, like yes. The, the end of the first one is Jason jumping out of the water, pulling Alice into the water, and then her waking up. So we're set up. Mm-hmm. In the hospital. I'm pretty confident that Ginny dies in the first scene of Friday 13th Part 3 <laughs> in some elaborate and unnecessary manner. Right. <laughs> but no, it was yeah. good. It was a good shrine scene. I'm I'm always up for a good shrine scene. I'm down for a good trying scene, yeah. I I kind of wish, though, that they didn't give us a reveal on what Jason looked like underneath the mask because he was just kind of like this weird, misshapen, kind of sloth from the Goonies sort of makeup level. And I was just like, oh, I, I kind of I liked it when it was ambiguous. What was that? He also looked a little bit like that one, the traitor in 300. 
Do you remember the guy in 300 who betrays oh, them? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah, had yeah, that yeah. kind of look to him, too, I thought, in some of his aesthetic. So, mm-hmm. partially, that could have been, maybe future Friday the 13th movies will explain this, like, that might have been why he was bullied, because of the way he looked, but also, I guess, marinating mm-hmm. in a lake for, you know, 15 <laughs> years. Five years, 15 well, years, yeah. We'll also do that to you. Who knows? Have we pointed out yet how that doesn't make sense? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay. It makes not one look of sense, but I don't think it's supposed to. It's not supposed to make sense. At one point, I'm pretty sure that Jason is just a zombie mm. in the franchise. So, right. you know, as as silly and goofy as these movies are, with us trying to analyze them or talk about them critically it's it's decidedly not the point of these movies and we've received listener we've received your feedback about how that's not the point but it's never stopped us before (laughs) and i don't know i just i was able to suspend that and just go along for the ride for this time and i would be excited nah excited is absolutely the wrong word to describe (laughs) it but i think if i can slip back into that mindset you know when we get to other friday the 13ths it will help with the enjoyment. It also helped that this movie was 86 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, but it also didn't help that for those 86 minutes, six minutes of it were devoted to showing the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think at the very end that the eyes would open on the severed head? I was like, if the eyes, if the fucking last shot of this movie is this shrine with the head on it and then it zooms in and the eyes open, I'm going to be real mad. <laughs> Did anyone else think that was going to happen? I thought that was going to happen. No, because it wasn't a 90s, 2000s horror movie that needed to end with a jump scare. It was still in the 80s. Mm. Right, right. I wonder if the ending of Hereditary, or or a lot of Hereditary, is a bit of an homage to that, right? Cause, mm, maybe. Because obviously the chain of motherhood in Hereditary is quite relevant to that. And Jason Voorhees' mother, it's her head. And, you know, spoilers for Hereditary, but we've already talked about it on this podcast. Like, <laughs> the fact that Payman makes Annie decapitate herself oh, yeah. right at the end of the movie there. That could be like a... Well, I mean, we've already established that Ari Aster... Like, like all of these great writer and directors are knowledgeable about the genre and, and can throw in little fun little Easter eggs for people. I, I bet you that was not... I, it would be yeah. very surprising to me if that Friday the 13th didn't cross his mind at all when he was writing. <laughs> I know that Ari Aster has like one of his greatest fears is like head trauma. And so that's why in both mm-hmm. of his movies so far, there's been like very gratuitous scenes of bad things happening to heads, you know, yeah. whether it's hereditary or, or even in Midsommar, you know, just say the word Atastupa around somebody who's seen Midsommar and they're going to shudder. <laughs> or they'll gross, give so. you the Josh look. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you, but yeah, I, I would I would not find it hard to believe if young Ari Aster saw Friday the 13th and was like, oh, that's freaking me out in some way I can't quite identify. I hope it doesn't affect my career <laughs> in 40 years. <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. And Any final thoughts for Friday the 13th Part 2? Any last bits before we rate it? Doesn't Jason get scared of water? Isn't that something that happens future in the lore? I will have to see. Check back in May. Similar to how Vader is afraid of sand. And fire. I think water has something to do with Jason being successful in Freddy vs. Jason in that movie. That just came to mind. Well, don't spoil that, Luke. (laughs) Ways off. That Uh, one's a ways off. (laughs) I I haven't seen it. Unbelievable. So I'm just speculating. (laughs) 
I I don't and know. I want to well, know who wins. Michael wins. We'll have we'll have to see. <laughs> Michael, yeah. <laughs> Ghostface Killer. It's a superhero show or supervillain show. Now. Actually, I did or horror movie. The show. I know that this will seem strange for future time, but with Michael Myers and Jason in our minds a lot this week about these movies, mm-hmm. it made me appreciate Scream all the more with how they made Ghostface. Like his physical instantiation in his kills between being so competent and then so clumsy. Like it just, yes, this movie really solidified why it's just even better satire than I thought. Because now I've experienced more, uh, like at least one movie with Jason. I was like, oh yeah, okay. I see what Ghostface is doing here. I think that's maybe a perfect way to 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 leave it and to end it off is yeah the idea that we can appreciate the satire of these these movies that come in the 90s and 2000s of Scream and what mm-hmm. and what have you by getting the context much like you I enjoy old episodes of the Simpsons you saw when you were little when you watched the movies that they're parodying you're like oh mm-hmm. I recognize that's an Alfred I watched this Alfred Hitchcock movie and I've seen like an episode and a half of Simpsons shots, you know, from this one movie alone. Right. I think that it's it's better for our understanding for when we, we talk about more current movies. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess thank you to movies for being a permanent thing or a semi-permanent mm-hmm. thing that we can dip back into and we don't have to hold them to their timeline. We can watch them asynchronously. Yeah. Also, thank you to movies for teaching us how to fix cars, as shown in this one. To get your engine started, all you have to do is open the hatch and say give it a go now okay but i thought Ginny was just fucking with paul she was like yeah it works totally fine i'm just gonna wait for him to come in and be like i'll uh, save you and then like haha get fucked jerk. yeah but then it was shown at the end that the the car was actually faulty as she could not get started <laughs> in her greatest moment of need you and know Jason what should have opened the back hatch <laughs> paul would have been very helpful on the island and lost they were trying to open that hatch forever <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Well, because this is a bonus episode, we don't generally do our somethings to cheer or anything. I will let y'all tell people where they can find you and we'll, we we'll wrap this? it up there. Oh, we gotta rate it, of course. We do still have to rate this movie. So yes, let's rate this movie. Who wants to go first? Because this is not really a, a pick, but just one that's happening. I can I'll, I'll go first. I'll, I'll, oh, I'm gonna go vote. First. I'm gonna vote. Alex goes first. Okay, I'll go mm, first. I I'll vote. First. Luke goes first. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're the deciding vote, Alex. Are, are we play, are we playing this game? Because I could vote you go first, but then I'm just gonna go you, me first. I'm gonna go first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. I mean, yes. Moving along. Uh, <laughs> I like this more than the first one. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much the same movie, but I liked it more than the first one because Jason was in it and. You know, we're getting a little bit more. And I, I did quite like the shrine scene. The camp counselors were very attractive. And we got to see a lot of them. So that's a plus. <laughs> I don't know. What did I give the first one? I don't remember. Like a 0. 0.5? I'll give this it one is... a 1. I'll give this one a 1 out of 5. Maybe. No, I'll give this a 1.25. Because I did really like that shrine scene. It was cool. So okay, I'm going to give this a 1.25 out of 5. But I'm not going to fault it for being what it is. Because... You should never be ashamed of who you are. And clearly this movie is a teen slasher movie. Yeah. And 
I will be honest, it's just not a genre for me. And But I can see why people do like the genre. It's just not for me. I like a little bit more substance in my movies. Whereas mm-hmm. sometimes you just want to mo- watch a movie to turn off your brain. And this is like, maybe it's a fun little Halloween thing. You just watch dumb movies on a Halloween night. And this can be one of those. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah, 1.5 out of 5. Okay. We'll do 1.5 out of 5 burlap sacks. Mm. Oh, burlap sacks. Or is it, a pillow- is it a burlap sack or a pillowcase? It's a burlap pillowcase. Burlap pillowcase. Oh, that seems uncomfortably. <laughs> it seems very uncomfortable. Uncomfortably scratchy. <laughs> All right. Well, I I have to say I was completely surprised from top to bottom that I actually enjoyed this movie at all, considering Friday the 13th Part 1 was such a weird mess to me, to my taste. So there's really only up to go from the first movie, which I gave a zero to. And this one, I had a lot of fun. I let it be what it was going to be. And I'm giving this one 2.2 burlap pillow sacks with one eye hole. (laughs) (laughs) 2.2. So not quite a pass, but definitely a much, much improved over the first one. Luke, I vote you go last. Okay. (laughs) Well, I have to make a confession, which I've already, I guess, admitted to or alluded to, but probably a good 30% of this movie, I wasn't watching it. (laughs) I was either on looking at my phone or looking at some other website or something. And yet, I don't think I missed too much. I, As soon as you mentioned it, I remembered that last scene and her going into the ambulance. And I mean, I don't think that's much of a surprise. This movie isn't surprising. But I do think it informs, probably doesn't inform you too, you probably could have guessed this, but it informs anyone listening that these kind of movies just don't captivate me. So I, it is a lot more overhead for me to pay attention to a movie like this when I'm watching it. But that being said, it was 0.1 better than the first movie. It would have been more if the music wasn't so annoying. I really was <laughs> aggravated by the music in this film. And so I don't remember if I gave the first one a 0.25 or a 0.5. But whatever I gave it, I'm giving this one 0.1 higher. So either 0.26. Okay. X, X plus 0.1. Yeah. Either yeah, either 0. 0. 0.26 <laughs> or 0. 0.51 out of 5. I don't remember what I gave the first one. Oh, wait, but, wait, wait, wait. That's, that's 0. 0.01 better. Are you yeah. doing 0. 0.1 better? It'd be 0. 0. Oh, yeah, or no. 0. 0.6. Oh, no, sorry. 0. 0.01. Yes. Thank you. 0. 0.01 better. Yeah, okay. 0. 0.01 oh, better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> one 100th better than the last one. Okay. Well, listeners, next Friday the 13th is May is in may 2022 so do you think we'll get to see jason in a hockey mask in that one i don't know maybe maybe just like he'll get like a shin guard or something we'll work up to the hockey mask one can dream one can always dream Alrighty, well that'll that'll do it for us for our, this bonus episode thanks so much for tuning in everybody next week we are going to be on Monday. If you listen to this on the Friday, it came out. We're gonna go back into Haddonfield, Illinois, and talk about Michael Myers again with Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers. You know where to find us. If you don't, just listen to the, in the episode on Monday because we'll do all the plugs then. Spoiler alert: We've already recorded that episode. So, <laughs> but I'll say goodbye, and I'll give Alex the chance to say goodbye if he would like to. Goodbye. <laughs> Okay. I don't know. It's like it's hard because like I I usually like when I say bye, I'm like see ya, and I like put my hand up and I like do a little wave, but like it, you can't do that. So can't do oh, that. unless we transcribe it, Alex says goodbye as he puts his hand up and gives a little wave and a nod towards Billy. Thank you. That was Luke. That was good transcript voice. 
Thank you. That was great transcript voice. This podcast available and describe video. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just going to say goodbye. I'm going to say this is the best buy. Oh, <laughs> not sponsored, but willing. Let us know, Best Buy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about your movies. <laughs> All right. Well, goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And as we always say, they're just movies. There's nothing to fear. What's up, dear sweet listeners? I'm back at the very end of this bonus episode to play you a couple of sound clips. Why? Because I said I would maybe at the start. I don't know. But anyway, here it is. We're going to play a couple of clips to tell the difference between the iconic sound of the Jason Voorhees movies and the sound effect from The Six Million Dollar Man. So the first sound you'll hear is the sound from the Friday the 13th movies. And that's it playing right now. Wasn't that delightful? So it's a little bit different than the sound effect that Luke was thinking of from the $6 million man, which is this sound you're hearing right now. And we're going to play those sounds again, just just for because, just for because, everybody. I hope you enjoy it. Here it is again, the sound of Friday the 13th, Jason Voorhees getting ready to do some murders. And now, Captain Steve Rogers? No, that's Captain America. That's my cat sneezing. Anyway, here's a $6 million man making his noise to take us out. (laughs) 